Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right through the phones. Joining us, as he does every Saturday morning at this time, is Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing good, and normally this time of the year going forward, you and I talk about how many different opportunities there are, hunting, fishing, there's fall fishing, there's warm water fishing, there's cold water fishing, there's all the different hunting seasons, archery kicking in, muzzleloader coming up, dove season starting, and all that's true, and we're going to talk about those things. But we're also facing this year a lot drier conditions that we faced in a few years, falling water, we've got some fires in the high country, so you also have to be aware of where you're going and make sure that opportunity is available. Um, What are you seeing out there? Uh, Terry, you know, of all the years, this is probably facing one of the busiest weeks of the entire calendar year. And even though more so probably the last decade, um, we haven't had the opener of archery, elk and deer fall this late in as long as I can remember. Normally we get a solid, you know, at least a week of chasing animals and pursuing hunts with, with archery equipment before you really fall into adding on the, you know, some of the waterfowl opportunities and you're looking at like dove and all this kind of stuff. Uh, So as we start to approach September, everything is lining up and particularly this week, um, you know, I have amazing fishing. Our pike bite, I I thought we were going to start seeing a slowdown starting middle of this week, but right now it seems to be firing up even more and more. So we are, we're facing one of the best pike opportunities as a, as a fisherman right now uh, that we've seen in forever. So the pike fishing is incredible. The lower water is funneling and gathering all the trout, and that's incredible. Uh, so between the trout and the pike, that's enough to keep somebody on a full-time schedule, let alone you throw in some of the walleye opportunity. And then obviously this week on Tuesday we have opening dove, which is something that I've never missed with my six-year-old kids. Uh, then starting immediately Wednesday on the 2nd, uh, I have a bear hunt that I'm pursuing. You have archery, elk, and deer. Um, the, the seasons just go on. So it is a week uh, for outdoorsmen. And, you know, a lot of times the early seasons when we try to capitalize on a lot of stuff, we're still kind of hanging on summer patterns for a lot of these animals. Um, so it, it's absolutely going to be a crazy week. And then you, you throw on top of it, like you said, changing conditions. And honestly, in fishing and hunting, we have we have kind of crazy conditions. So on the hunting side, obviously there's fires. So you really have to be aware of, you know, obviously the, the fires affect a small, you know, portion, generally speaking, of the state. But the Forest Service closes down a lot of access, a lot of roads, um, just to really be, you know, cautious and, and make sure that everybody is safe in case any of those fires change direction. So there's a lot of people's hunts that are getting changed uh, due, to, due to Forest Service closures. So you really have to be aware of those closures, be aware of road areas as a hunter. And then as a fisherman, we're dealing obviously with some drought and some draining waters. Um, you know, and right now, like Bar Lake had to close down to boating. Um, all of the fisheries that we're on are still open. I don't think we're going to have any issues on any of the, the 15 or 20 uh, permits that we hold. But being on top of uh, water levels is something that I would definitely be watching out for um, on the fishing side. So staying on top of conditions is, is huge right now. Um, as far as that pike bite, what waters are you really experiencing? Um, I imagine spinny is one. Um, and how light will spinny be open into the year? 
You know, right now, I mean, spinning, the fishing is incredible. I mean, there for a while, we were losing 8 to 10 inches of water a day. Um, the south boat ramp is closed at Spinney, but the, the normal boat ramp, which we call the north boat ramp, and basically the first one you hit as you come in, is still open. Um, you know, right now, I believe that the park is scheduled to be open to boating until October 31st. Um, obviously, if it gets to the point to where the water recedes past the concrete ramp, they would have to shut down for boating. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to see a slowdown on that water letdown this week. Um, it's going to be low, but I don't think it's going to go to the point where we can't boat. So um, it might just be me hopeful and wishful thinking, but I, I don't think we're going to see uh, any effects to, to boating up in the South Park area, at least as I can predict it right now. Um, so I'm excited about that. So I think we'll be good. But that water is low, um, you know, so be cautious. I mean, I saw a boat the other day trying to cut across Pelican Point, basically over where the Bird Islands are, um, and there's low water there that extends out a half mile into the lake or a quarter mile into the lake to where if you get too close to that, I mean, I saw multiple boats hit their motors. I saw a couple boats get stuck um, on that. Pueblo Reservoir, same thing, is lower than it's been in a long time. Um, so a lot of boating hazards there. So so definitely be cautious. But um, as far as our waters go, I don't think you're going to have any, uh, any boating closures. I think we're going to fish all the way into the fall. But that could change uh, depending on, on water calls from out east. Now, is Terry all holding up, and are you fishing there much? Terry all is holding up very well. Uh, there's, there's definitely a pike bite there um, and an amazing place to go catch rainbows. You know, it, it's going to not have the, the quality of fish you're going to see at like an Antero Spinny or 11 Mile, uh, but a great place just to go catch some fish. Uh, that water level is holding strong. We have really not seen a, a, a big drop in carryall at all. Um, I would say of all the South Park fisheries, um, Spinny is definitely taking the brunt of the water letdown for sure, uh, being the Aurora Call. And you mentioned some of the metro lakes. Are you still walleye fishing at Chatfield? We are, you know, and... and we're seeing both those bites, Chatfield and Cherry Creek, are both fishing very well. I would say they're both fishing fairly different. Um, you know, same general concepts, just a couple of little changes. Um, the water obviously is very low at Chatfield. If you haven't been there, it's been low for a while. It actually came up a little bit, but generally speaking, it is low. Um, we do a lot of fishing on what we call the south end. So basically, a lot of people know where the swim beach is at. And from the swim beach back towards the inlet, we spend a lot of time back there. Um, you know, there there's 12 gravel pits or a pile of road beds. Um, there's just a ton of structure, so it's really great fishing. If you're not used to going down there with this low water, there's a lot of areas where you will actually even hit your motor. Uh, it's not like stumps or boulder fields, but just nice gravel edges and, and road beds around those gravel pits. Uh, but that water is low at Chatfield, so just keep that in mind. But with that said, our shad population blew up. We've been on a low shad for our low shad population for two years, uh, which has really affected that walleye fishing. Our shad population is through the roof. We had a good spawn. Uh, they're to the point where they're going to make it. They're, we're not going to see any effect to those shad. Um, it would take uh, a cold front beyond belief to hurt that population now, and I don't see that happening. So we're back with a good shad population, which is good to kind of help help the health of those walleyes. Um, but despite the the boost of shad, that walleye fishery is still going strong. Um, if you're looking for numbers of fish, you can honestly, because of the low water, um, it's still allowing those walleyes to stay on structure. Where normally those walleyes abandon structure right now, uh, because of the low water, it's putting that structure close enough to the surface where the shad are to where the structure is still relevant. Um, so you could go out to Chatfield and fish all your bait rigs, live bait rigs, a jig head and a crawler, um, and you're going to catch a lot of fish. We're still seeing 50 fish days um, on a bait bite, which is usually 
totally non-existent as this late in August. Uh, but that bait bite is still going strong. And then if you're looking for bigger fish, um, blade baits and jigging wraps and even shallower structure is going to be a really go-to technique for bigger fish. Um, and the crankbait bite is going strong. Whether you're trolling or casting cranks, uh, the crankbait bite is strong. If you jump over to Cherry Creek, um, I'm not seeing the bait bite going there near as strong. So if I was going to Cherry Creek, I'm going to put a major focus on those jigging wraps, those blade baits, um, and or trolling crankbaits. Uh, my, my casting crankbait bite is not as good as Cherry Creek. So Cherry Creek is trolling cranks, uh, jigs, and, and blade baits, and you're going to have a, have a great time there for sure. And, again, a lot of quality fish. No, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I want to talk a little more big game. But you mentioned taking your kids out dove hunting. You know, dove hunting, we're going to talk the whole next segment about dove hunting, so we don't have to get into it. But I was so glad to hear you say that because dove hunting is the one thing. You don't need a lot of gear. You really just need a shotgun you can handle, and you can almost sit in a lawn chair and wait for the doves to come to you. It's And there's so much access on the walk-in access. Isn't that a great way to start kids hunting? You know, kids, youth, you know, bringing your family out, no matter what it is, it's one of those sports that's amazing. You know, I always highlight it as the temperatures are warm. So you're not having to go out and buy boots and and gear. So it's inexpensive. I mean, you can go out in your shorts. Um, You know, I really wish I had to tell you that you had to wear camo, but you don't. I mean, I'm wearing a bright colored shirt, so everything's safe. Um, And exactly. I mean, you sit by a fence post, sit by a tree, a lounge chair, whatever. Um, So the gear is nothing. It's warm. And I love it for the fact that, you know, like even my six-year-olds they obviously have been on probably more hunts than a lot of the listeners have just kind of lucky in that fashion but for new people you're not being whispering you're not quiet you're not trying to be stealthy to where having a new person with you would affect the results of your hunt with dove it's great because i can sit there with my kids we can talk we can laugh um and i can really walk them through the safety of hunting safety of what we're looking for, how I'm handling my firearm, what we look for, where we shoot, where we don't shoot. Um, so I can have these conversations with new hunters and kids. Uh, so it's great for that experience to start off hunting because you, you can be vocal. Um, the other thing is it's great because so many hunts – the, the witnesser, somebody that's just, you know, helping out and hanging out with you doesn't necessarily get to be a part of the hunt as much as where my kids, you know, all look one direction. They'll be looking off kind of the other. And they're really involved with saying, you know, hey, dad, there's a dove coming. Um, and the involvement that they get from spotting these birds um, adds a whole new level to that hunt. So they really get to be a part of it. They get to feel a part of it. You know, and after we harvest a dove, they go out and help me look for it. So a lot of times when I have the kids, I'll even hold the dog back you know, just to, to allow the kids to go find it. So they, they spot the animal. They get to find and pick up the animal. The involvement is huge. Um, and it's just a way to absolutely get a new hunter and or youth absolutely hooked on the sport um, of dove hunting. So it, it, it's something that I, I never miss. Regardless of the big game hunts going on, uh, that opener dove is something that I, I never let slide by. And I, I can't wait for it this year. And this year, with the dry heat that we've had, uh, it is absolutely going to be a banner opener dub season here in Colorado. So very excited about that. Two minutes left. What's happening with the big game? It's happening, Terry. Uh, you know, again, we always talk about the drought and the rut, and how to affect it and all this kind of stuff. And again, it's everybody's got their theory. Um, everybody's heard my theory. But regardless, I am hearing elk bugling. Um, elk are starting to talk, whether you're using, you know, the, the vocals of a bull to, to – learn where a bull's at to approach a bull to call a bull in or even if you're using the bulls 
to associate where the cows are located. Um, the vocal effects of the elk is in start. I'm not going to say it's in full swing by any means as far as rut, but they are talking, which is a good sign. Sometimes this time of year, you know, they're still silent. Um, I'm definitely hearing a lot of vocalization from the elk, so that's just a good sign it's happening. Um, the slightly, you know, nighttime cooler temps that we're seeing are definitely keeping the deer on their feet a little longer in the morning, putting them back on their feet a little earlier in the afternoon. Um, so as far as predictions go, that season opens on Wednesday. I would say as of right now, as a five-day forecast, um, we are going to have a great big game season, at least from what I'm seeing. Obviously, I've been scouting for, you know, almost 60 days. Um, I spent a ton of time prepping for the upcoming hunts, uh, and it's absolutely going to be a great season. Now, I actually am going to be spending more time with a rifle this year, which is beyond uncommon for me. Um, you know, I think I, I've harvested 17 bulls and caught out with a bow, um, two with a rifle and one with a muzzleloader. So I'm usually always out there, and a lot of these hunts I'm going to do this year are actually going to be with a rifle, but I'll be filming some archery hunts. I'm obviously going to be out there almost every day during the archery, continuing my scouting, hunting with some friends, and really just keeping up on what's happening with the big game. So uh, as far as I can predict, I think Wednesday is going to be a great opener. I think it's going to follow through with a great season, uh, and I can't wait for everybody to get out there. But again, uh, I, I think everything's lining up to be absolutely awesome for that big game. Get out there and scout. You know, Maybe you're not out today, but get out tomorrow to the final preps. Find some animals. Learn some timing. Learn where they're betting. Think about in your head how you're going to make your approach that opening day. Uh, I encourage all the big game hunters, hunt with a little bit, whether we call it style or education. Don't just go pushing things around. Step back. Think about your approach. Think about your exit. Think about how you're going to make those hunts. Hunt educated. If you're not going to get it done that opening day, don't push them out. Hunt them that night or the next day. Um, really encourage everybody to have a plan. Hunt educated um, and have a great successful hunt this coming fall. All right, my friend, we are out of time. If people want more information or to get a hold of you for a trip, how do they find you? Absolutely. Tightline Outdoors on the website. Uh, Tightline Outdoors on Facebook for all our fishing stuff. And if you want updates on hunting, uh, I know a lot of our viewers aren't on Instagram, but Nate Zelinski on Instagram, or you can follow Ruger uh, Instagram page or Bowtech. Uh, all my hunting stuff will be on the Nate Zelinski Instagram page, Ruger or Bowtech, and we'll kind of walk you through the hunts and how everything's going. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you next week. Good luck with the kids. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, Nate Zelinski, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come, out, come back, we're going to talk dove hunting, how you get started, what you really need, and it's going to be a lot easier than you think. All that and more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Speaking of Jack's Outdoor Gear, let's go right to the phones. And uh, joining us from uh, the Jack's Outdoor Gear in Fort Collins is Reese Roberts. Good morning, Reese. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing great. You know, we've been talking the last couple of weeks a lot about dove hunting, which starts, if I'm not mistaken, Tuesday of next week. Correct. And yep, it been, starts on and, the first. And we've been talking a lot of, I've been talking to a lot of different people in the field, and you and I have had this conversation, how not only is it a great tune-up for all the shotgunners, but a great way to get new hunters into the field because you don't need a lot of gear. I thought I'd talk to you a little bit before we even get into some of your dove hunting uh, tips and things. If I walk into Jack's and I've never dove hunted before, and maybe I don't own a gun, start me out. What do I look for first in a shotgun? Um, fit 
is going to be one of the big things, depending on if you're a bigger shooter or a smaller shooter, um, getting something that's going to fit you correctly. Um, we talked about previously when picking out a rifle, fit is an important thing. Being able to shoulder the shotgun, being able to get a good sight picture on that, and making sure that it's not too heavy or not going to be able to be controlled by the shooter. Um, so we'll try to fit them into something that's going to be appropriate for their size. Um, and then also just kind of talk talk to them about what they're looking for, what they're looking out of a shotgun, whether that be something to strictly dove hunt like we, we were talking about today, or if they're looking for an all-around gun where they're going into waterfowl or pheasants or any big game. So just giving them a bunch of options um, to kind of figure out what's going to fit them best. So if I'm just dove hunting, especially if I'm starting out, what do you, is there a couple gauges of shotgun you recommend and what style? Um, generally for gauges, uh, we recommend anywhere from 12 to 20. Those are the two most common ones that we sell. Ammo availability, especially right now, um, those are going to be the ones that you're going to be able to find most likely. So recommending something like that. There are a bunch of other gauges that might be great options for somebody getting into dove hunting, but with the availability of ammunition right now, it's not it's not very So you look at maybe so you look at maybe a younger hunter, uh, a youth, maybe you start them out with a 20-gauge, or you kind of look at their size and their ability to handle the gun, and does the style help control the recoil some? Um, it definitely can. There are, there are newer shotgun models that are going to be able to mitigate that recoil a lot better than some of the older ones. Um, so going with um, the style, whether it be over-under, um, is really nice if you're strictly going to be like an upland bird hunter. Um, it's the more traditional look, especially for people who shoot sporting clays, trap, or skeet. Crossing over into dove hunting is a, a really easy thing, and they can use the exact same setup that they do their sporting clays with to go hunting with. For new shooters, a lot of times, if they're just getting into hunting, you can't go wrong with a pump gun. Um, I know a lot of people that have hunted doves with pump guns for a very long time. I myself use a a Mossberg 500 that was my dad's from college <laughs> so anything that you can shoot accurately and reliably is going to be what we recommend and if you're a new shooter starting with something that has that long reputation of being a reliable good shooter is going to be what we suggest for a lot of people now I come in and I haven't dove hunted before maybe I've got a 12 gauge maybe I've got a 20 gauge but I've never hunted dove before, but I need to know what kind of a load I should use because they're a small bird. You're shooting at different distances. And ammunition, like you said, is hard to come by. Is there a few loads you recommend for people? Um, for Especially out of a 12-gauge, a 7.5 shot is going to be a fantastic dove load, and you can get that in uh, a variety of whether it be a high brass, like hunting load. I'm, I've hunted doves many a times with target loads because – as long as you're in that 1,200-ish feet per second and faster, you'll definitely be able to track and kill doves. So you got a pretty big variety, 12 and a 7.5 shot. If you go to a 20-gauge, do you up it a little bit, or if you think you're going to be shooting at more distance, do you maybe go a little bigger shot? Yeah, um, generally we recommend um, for like a 20-gauge, whether that be 5 or 6-shot, um, 5 being a little bit bigger, especially if you're going to be reaching out and shooting a little further or not being able to hunt them 
that close to water um, to where you might get them to come down and land. If you're going to be taking those longer shots, those five, that five shot definitely works really well. Now, speaking of uh, water, are there times now a lot of people still use lead shot for upland game because you still can. But if you're near water, do you have to go to steel shot or non-lead shot? Um, there are some places that definitely recommend it. Um, I hunt a lot on public land, which is the same public land that I waterfowl hunt on. So a lot of times I'll shoot steel just because I know that there's waterfowl in the area. I know that they're going to be possibly eating that shot from doves. So I'd much rather go non-toxic than shoot lead. Uh, So there's places that require it, but a lot of it is your personal option. Now, do you change your shot size when you go to a different uh, metal material? Um, I don't um, with the 12-gauge. A lot of people will kind of gauge up, so they'll go with a little bit bigger of a shot just because steel doesn't hit as hard as lead. Um, So they'll go a little bit bigger so they can hopefully carry the same damage as the lead would. Now, I want to talk a little bit about your archery before we let you go, but before we do that, one of the things I want to stress about dove hunting, I know you're an avid dove hunter, and you don't need a lot of extra gear. You don't need camouflage. You usually don't need any extra clothing. It's a great way to introduce new hunters because you really only need a shotgun and maybe a lawn chair even to get out and hunt doves, and we have a ton of access in Colorado, don't we? Oh, yes. That's the one benefit of dove hunting is you can really just walk into the public land around you with a shotgun and go shoot. Um, There's not, you don't need blinds. Most of my dove hunting experience has been sitting in the field with a few of my friends on the edge of a cornfield and shooting doves. You don't need to worry about being quiet. Camouflage doesn't really matter. Most of the time I've left from school, from work, went out hunting, in the same clothes that I wore to school or wore to work that day. So it's it's definitely a great way to get into it and get used to shooting or wing shooting and getting used to being in the field and getting time behind the shotgun. So it's a great place for a lot of people to start, especially when it comes to bird hunting. And they actually are really quite good table fare, too. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah I love them. They're eating doves. Yeah, cook them like a Cornish hen. But, yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, before I let you go, we also have a lot of archery season starting and everything, and three of your stores have archery pro shops. Now, I know we're getting down to the nitty-gritty, but what should people know? that sh- If they have issues, should they have their bow checked? What can you do for them? Um, so one of the big things is doing a pre-hunt check. So going through your equipment, making sure that there's nothing loose that shouldn't be loose, making sure that there's no damage that you can see. Um, We are four days out from elk opening, so it's it's been getting very busy at a lot of pro shops. So I would recommend getting that gear checked prior to you actually going to the field because it's really hard to make repairs when you're sitting at a trailhead and uh, ready to go out on a a big backpack hunt. So getting it done sooner rather than later. Go ahead. What can you do for them if they have a last-minute problem or if there's something going on? 
Um, so one of the benefits of our three pro shops are we do have an archery range on site. So if it's a peep adjustment, a sight adjustment, a sight change, or a rest change, we can get all that stuff dialed in for the most part at our store. So we can walk you through changing that peep, lo- peep height, switching out to that new site, switching to a different rest, making sure that everything's still there, shooting in new strings, getting all that dialed in. We have the ability to do that right in store so you can try products before you actually buy them and make sure that they're going to be the ones that are going to be a good fit for you. What about arrow availability? I hear it's kind of scarce. How are you guys doing? Um, We're doing pretty well right now. Um, We were lucky and bought a lot before a lot of this madness started, but it is definitely hard to get certain arrows. Um, A lot of the really common sought-after hunting arrows are very hard to track down right now. So being able to get out and find them before you absolutely need them is going to be a thing that's going to be very helpful. And what three stores of Jack's have archery pro shops? So it's our Lafayette Outdoor Store, our Broomfield Outdoor Store, and then our Fort Collins Outdoor Store, which is where I work. And you're at Fort Collins. How late are you there today if people want to come and talk to you? Uh, I'm here until 4 today. All right, and then you work, you're off and on, you're in the store most of the time, archery or hunting. We're talking to um, Reese Roberts from Jack's. Reese, thank you so much. I'll let you go. I know you're swamped, but thanks for all that useful information. You're welcome. Have a great day, Terry, and good luck this season. You bet. That's Reese Roberts again, Jack's Outdoor Gear. If you uh, want to get ready for dove hunting, what an easy sport to get into. And, of course, if you're archery hunting, you have an issue. These guys have a complete pro shop. Anything you want with a range to try it after it's fixed or before it's fixed, figure out the problems. Just a great place to go. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Whether you're kayaking, fishing, hunting, camping, or even grilling in the backyard, Jack's should be your first stop. Hey, a couple of things I want to talk to you about. First of all, you need to follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And the reason, um, like we talked today a lot about dove hunting and about white bass fishing. Both those, there's already posts on my Facebook page about both those topics, and I'll be putting additional ones up this week. Keep you informed about what we cover on the radio, or maybe I pull in an article I wrote for the Denver Post or a, a personal report from being in the field. Uh, the other thing is we're, gonna, we're, we're doing trivia again now. We don't do it every week. We do it every two, three, four weeks. We do a trivia, and when we do a trivia, we post it on uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, we post our trivia statement, and you know that out of that statement is going to be the answer to the trivia question. So if you want to win a great prize, and some of them are 25 50 or more dollars in value, you need to follow Facebook so you know the answer to that trivia question. And the last thing is, Karen, whenever we put something new up on our YouTube channel, Karen, my wife and producer, puts a link on Facebook to our YouTube channel with that show so you know when there's something new coming up. And speaking of YouTube, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube, half of those shows are filmed right here in your backyard. Some of them go from South America to the Arctic Circle and across North America to the Bahamas to California. But a lot of them, half of them, 
and there's about 140 of them up there right now, are filmed right here and within a day's drive of where you live. So there's lots of great information. In fact, a lot of the fishing we cover on the show is covered there. Last thing before we go to a break and get Chad Lachance to join us, uh, Governor Polis uh, uh, pronounced that next week is Care for Colorado Week, and it's all about responsible recreation. We're seeing a lot more people get out into the outdoors And we really want you to do it properly. We want you to get outside. We want you to enjoy it. But what he's done, here's some of the themes. On Monday, it's know before you go. Know the conditions. Know the restrictions. On Tuesday, it's stick to the trail. You know, get off the trail, you start degrading and eroding the landscape. Trash your trash. Anything you take in, take back out with you. Leave what you find. Don't pick up souvenirs. They're there for a reason. Be really careful with fire, please. And be kind to other visitors and respect wildlife. Use proper etiquette and proper, uh, just behave properly and respect other people. And let's all just have a really good time outdoors. The big thing right now is plan ahead with fires and changing water conditions. You know, we're going to take a break. We come back. I'm going to ask Chad Lachance whether he's going fishing, hunting, or both. Right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. The Eagles take it to the limit. We'll have to ask Chad, who's coming up, if he takes his uh, hunting and fishing to the limit. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Before I get to Chad, we had a a call, uh, a texter on the line. He's a novice pike angler, and he was going to go to Williams Fork, but the fires have kind of ruled that out. He's wondering where else he might go. I don't know where you live, but uh, Pinewood, up just west of Carter, has some good musky fishing. Uh, down at Lathrop State Park, there's muskie and pike fishing if you live down south. Uh, Spinny Mountain w- Reservoir would be okay for a kayak. 11 mile you could, but I'd be, it gets a little big and windy. And Lon Hagler, right here in my backyard, uh, Brad Peterson was out there and caught a pike just yesterday. And that'd be an easy one to kayak. But let's go to the phones now. And joining us is Chad Lachance. Good morning, Chad. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you this morning? I'm doing good, and I have a question for you. I know you're both an avid angler and an avid hunter. We're getting to fall. We've got hunting and fishing. How do you decide which one to do, or do you do both? You don't. You do them all, man. You see, when this time of year, Terry, you get it all. So I don't like to have to make a decision, and uh, this is one of the first chilly mornings of the year. I'm up here at Horseshoe Reservoir, and it's quite a bit colder this morning and it has been all summer and it starts making us think about that hyperphagia thing right where everybody starts feeding up and uh and this time of year i start thinking about harvesting some food and so i'm really big proponent of the cast and blast deal where you know you can put together your favorite hunting and fishing at the same time fill your freezer up uh get some uh get some good food to eat and really enjoy your time in the outdoors and Really, from basically September on all the way through the end of the, most of the hunting season, you'll have some sort of an opportunity for a cast and blast trip. It's a very classic outdoors uh, thing to do. And uh, it's something, as a guy that, that likes to cook almost more than hunt or fish, uh, it's just something that, that sits well with me. You know, I, I thoroughly enjoy being able to have some, some uh, both fish and game that I harvested, and uh, this is the season to do it. Well, you know, you're absolutely right, because 
most hunting outings don't last the entire day. There's times of the day that are better for hunting, or you can take breaks from them. And fishing can be something you spot in a couple hours here. Maybe you're hunting early and late and you're fishing in the day, or maybe there's uh, you're hunting doves and you want to get an early morning fishing in before you, uh, before you go sit by the cornfield. But there's just a lot of ways to do it, and you can be productive at both. What are some of your favorites? Well, you touched on one right off the bat, and that's the dove hunting thing because dove hunting is typically a you know an early and late thing, right? You sit on a field first thing in the morning or last thing in the evening, and uh, and you can shoot doves doing that. And the first place that comes to mind for me is southeast Colorado, where maybe down around John Martin or some of the state wildlife areas down there, where you can do some dove hunting and then back it up with some white bass. Uh, you know, both of those are delicious critters and white bass are a perfect fish for harvesting and this time of year you know they'll school up and they'll be on the surface and a lot of times you can put a bunch of them in the boat in a hurry and i know that's going on down southeast colorado right now but a perfect opportunity to get out and shoot some doves and some white bass and then the other one along the same lines is teal and so if you're if you're a really skilled outdoorsman you might go down sit around john martin and shoot teal and doves and uh and then also white bass and crappies and so that's just a real good combination right there for a, for a good outdoor adventure. So that's one of the first ones that come to my mind. Uh, another one is, you know, we've got the archery seasons kicking off here in the hills, and a lot of guys will be up uh, up hunting elk or deer uh, during archery season. And as you say, you get the middle of the day, especially this time of year, you get a lot of the times it's real hot in the middle of the day. That's an excellent time to break out either a tiny little fly rod or a little spin around and get after some rookies or some some of the, the uh, you know, rainbows that you'll find up in the high country as well or some of the cutthroat lakes, depending on where exactly you're doing your hunting. But it's a great way to, to spend some midtime, midday siesta, you know, hunt early and late in the day when it's cool. And in a lot of cases, um, you know, you've either got a river or beaver ponds or something like that. And so that's a really good combination as well. And just for the record, brookies are absolutely delicious. One of my favorite fish to eat. And a, and a couple of brookies uh, around the campfire in the evening would be a uh, real good way to wind up a day of hunting well and brook trout yep you mentioned they're incredibly good table fare and because they're so prolific you can you don't have to feel any guilt about harvesting them even from some higher mountain areas uh you know in some some areas in fact they for the smaller ones they relax the limit and you can get a bunch of them and cook them up and you know just clean them real simply and throw them in a frying pan with some butters about all you got to do Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I, I lop the heads off them, take the guts out of them, give them a thorough rinse, uh, put them in a cast iron skillet with some butter and salt, pepper, and lemon juice. And, uh, and you know, if you're really fancy, you can throw some herbs in there, uh, maybe a little splash of white wine if you're really fancy. And uh, But at the end of the day, they're absolutely delicious. And like you said, they're very prolific. In, in almost all cases, taking some of them out of the system is a really good way to help the rest of them get a little bit bigger, at least here in Colorado. So, I think that's a really good choice. And then a little bit later, we start getting into gun seasons, rifle seasons. Guys hunting big game up in North Park or South Park are going to have an opportunity to get on some fantastic brown trout fishing as we go into fall. And the browns start thinking about their thing, start getting their kipe on their jaw and start getting aggressive for the fall. Well, that happens to correspond quite nicely with some of the antelope and deer seasons. And Geez, last year we were up in the Delaney Complex doing some uh, some fishing up there, and there were a bunch of antelope hunters and deer hunters up there, and that'd be a great way, uh, you know, to, to again do some midday, or if you've got your your animal hanging in camp, it'd be a really good good opportunity to catch some really big trout too. 
And the other thing about it is uh, if you, if, let's say you're tagged out, if you really want to get some really big trout, try it at night. Hit some of those uh, some of those lakes at night for some of the big browns coming in, and that really, you know, you might catch the biggest brown you've ever seen doing that. So the timing is really good for for guys coming in, you know, to do some big game hunting up in say North Park or South Park for some of the prey pothole style lakes that are up there. And you know, a lot of the fishing you're talking about, it's not like you have to take even your boat. You can just do it from shore, or you could take yes, your boat sure. if you're staying at a place where it's accessible. But you don't have to take a ton of tackle with you, do you? Absolutely not. That's the key to the whole thing. And, you know, we've got a mutual friend in Troy Coburn. He ties a real nice uh, a marabou jig. I, I mean, you want to make things real easy on yourself. And, and, you know, I'm a big fan of the gulp and all the other stuff. And, you know, I go through tons of it. But at the end of the day, if I'm going to run up and do something like that, a couple of big jigs, big bulky jigs, uh, or little tiny jigs, as the case might be, if I'm going brookie fishing, something like that, real, real simple. I mean, everything fit in a, in a wallet-sized box and uh, and one one small rod. Again, it's not a fishing trip. It's it's just getting some fishing in during your hunting season. So, you know, if I was going down to southeast Colorado, I'd probably be more inclined to pull the boat. And then the other thing is there's some state wildlife areas where as long as you're not under power, you can have your shotgun in your boat. And, uh, and that can be a really good way to particularly get in on ducks or doves. So that's a possibility as well. And a lot of the state wildlife areas, there's, what, 330-some state wildlife areas and a bunch of state parks that you can hunt in. And of the state parks, I think 37 or 38 of them have fishing. So, you know, if you're going to hunt at any of these places, you can also fish while you're there. Well, you know, you mentioned the um, the North Park area with the Delaney's and Lake John. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, that they think of the San Luis Valley as our resident duck population before they move and the migratory ducks come in. But up in that Lake John area is also one of our best resident duck population areas. And with the water the way it is right now this year, I think you'll even find more that are going to get pushed in from other areas because of those lakes and the rivers up there. Great jump shooting for ducks around there and you know you decide to stop and have lunch where you're walking around those places and you just have a little pack rod with you and a, and a handful of lures and you can take a break from and let the ducks settle down and then just walk back and do some more jump shooting yeah absolutely you know and that's that's one of the, the best things about the whole situation is is that you you can keep it simple and still have a variety of stuff going on and i really i really like that the other thing is it seems to to get lost these days in the shuffle, but just small game hunting in general, uh, cottontails, uh, being the, the first one that comes to mind for me, I'm a big proponent of eating cottontails and, uh, in a whole lot of places where there's some, some very good, uh, cottontail hunting, there's also, uh, water access. So that's another possibility for people. Uh, and, and cottontails are like said, one of my absolute favorite things to eat and they're, they're low stress as far as hunting them. I like to hunt them at first light, particularly on cold mornings and let the water temperatures come up and go fish from there. And then the other one I'll throw out there because Colorado is a big waterfowl state. You brought it up. We'll have the goose seasons and the later duck seasons. And then you've got a chance to do some ice fishing at the same time. And uh, Austin Parr and I did that a couple of years back, made it built a TV show around it even where we shot a limited ducks first thing in the morning on the river and then went on one of the gravel quarry ponds right there, drilled some holes and caught a bunch of crappies and bluegills and bass. And so, you know, really fun day. All the equipment I had fit in the truck without any, you know, problem. I didn't have the boat. I didn't have, you know, any a bunch of extra stuff, a dozen duck decoys and a couple of ice, ice auger, and, you know, some basic stuff. So that's a really good chance as well. And that'll go all the way into what I guess January, and uh, and you can do that too. And again, there there you might road trip out east uh, or up in the mountains, either one, depending on where you're actually hunting. 
Well, you're right. There's no reason to put any of your gear away in the winter in Colorado. Hey, we got a texter, Chad, that um, he wants to fish horse tooth. He's looking for some recommendations on lures. But why don't you talk in general about what's going on there now? Well, you hear that noise right now, Terry? That's the water sucking out of this lake at full speed. Uh, it's dropping more than a foot a day right now. It is absolutely plummeting. And so they're drawing the lake down for, uh, for to drill a secondary outlet. So people need to be aware that if you were here a month and a half ago, you're going to be shocked when you get here. Uh, the water's dropped more than 50 feet from, or, or 45 feet, I guess, right now from where it was. Uh, having said that, the fishing's been really good some days and not so good other days. But if I'm on the bank, if I'm if I'm relegated to fishing on the bank, I'm going to the steepest banks I can find. Uh, I'm going to try to get on some adjacent to deep water, get away from the flat mud banks for sure, and uh, and do what I can with that. And then I'm probably going to run if I'm on the bank something like a flicker shad. Uh, we've had a pretty decent crankbait bite the last few days, uh, and I think that's probably the most applicable to, to being on the bank. If I'm going to go out in the boat, if, if gentleman's going to be in a boat or a kayak, something like that, is particularly by electronics, I'll fish vertically, I'll drop shot on them. Uh, but if I'm going to be on the bank, I'm throwing a crankbait and a relatively subtle one at that. And I will recommend strongly, if they can, to fish during the low-light periods. Uh, if you want any chance at a walleye, you need to fish the low-light periods for sure. There's a tremendous amount of bait, but the only bite I'm hearing of with any consistency for walleyes is during the evening time. Yeah, but the bass seem to be going pretty strong from everything I've heard in the, in the smallmouth fishing. Um, what about some of the other waters around you? Well, everybody's getting drawn down in a hurry right now, that's for sure, uh, and so that's something that people need to keep in mind, but, um, you know, realistically, I know that Boyd's still fishing well. Uh, Boyd is not falling as fast as the others. It doesn't lose as much water. Uh, in that, in, in Boyd Lake, you need to be able to fish. If, if you want to do some bass fishing, you need to be able to fish the vegetation and, uh, and do it relatively efficiently, and that requires, to some degree, you know, a specialized skill set because there's a lot of aquatic vegetation, and as the water drops, it condenses that vegetation. It gets real dense, and the fish love it, but the anglers don't necessarily love it. So if you're, if you're a good boss, and that's actually a fun place to go right this particular minute, I would probably take a swing at that. And then I also want to remind people that Poudre Canyon is completely closed at this point from Ted's Place up. So I had a couple people contact me in the last day or so wanting to know about fishing the Poudre, and it is completely closed. So there is no access at all up and down the canyon, uh, you know, as far as that goes. So it's going to be off limits for now. Bear Creek, or uh, excuse me, uh, Big Thompson is running very, very low and clear. Um, but should not be very difficult to catch trout there. And, you know, typical fall stuff, I'd take a little tiny old-school streamer and swing that thing around, you'll do fine. Um, last, one more question before I let you go. You talked about using a drop shot at horse tooth. What are you, how big a leader and what are you tipping it with? Ah, the tipping it with is the easy part. The hard part is getting them. The, the little Maxim, Powerbait Maxim flatworm. Uh, has become all the rage around the entire country. It is the hottest smallmouth bait going. That's what I've been using tons of the last four days we've been on the lake, and it's getting bites for sure. But a flat nose, a, a maximum flat nose minnow will work. A gulp minnow will work. Um, basically, a little two and a half to four inch long straight tail minnow of some sort. And for me, it needs to be gulp or, or power bait max scent. Smallmouth love the scent. As far as my leaders go, I'm running an eight pound. Uh, X9 braid down to a six pound, trying 100% fluorocarbon leader, and I'm making it about a foot below the hook uh, for the drop shot weight, typically somewhere between an eighth and a quarter, depending on the wind. 
in a number two Fusion 19 drop shot hook and just nose hooking that little max scent flat worm, dropping it down and literally do nothing with it. The more you try to move that thing, the less bites you're going to get. So if you can get some fish on your graph or you're on a good piece of structure, set that bait on the bottom, pick it up just enough where you can feel the weight of the sinker and then leave it right there and don't move it. The more you do that, the more bites you'll get. Uh, and I've been, I've, I've just starting to get into the jigging spoon a little bit this year it's a little early for that yet but it is working uh, a little bit here and there and if people keep that on the radar screen if they're going to be out here in a boat uh keep that on your radar screen and uh, as we get these more cooler nights more and more that's going to be going to be good but i don't know how much longer we're going to be able to boat here at horse tooth uh, they're saying the ramps are going to be on the ground by labor day so we'll see what happens with that uh, uh, or at least Mark Hoffman will. was on earlier he said the end of november they're going to keep one ramp open. Oh, did he? Okay, we are out of okay we we are out of time, Chad. But Fishful Thinker, if they need to get a hold of you, yes, sir. And uh, we're booked out for the guiding season at this point, which I'm thankful for. But yeah, Fishful Thinker on all of our social media and especially our YouTube channel, we'd appreciate it very much. All right, thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. Hey, we're wrapping things right. up. We're running over, and I know John Davis is going to come on once to talk Broncos. Thanks for listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We'll let the Eagles take us to John Davis and Sports Zone 104.3 The Fan. Let's go.